Episode 123, Oscar and Kaya Frazier. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. really get inspired by two things that we're going to experience in this episode. One, overcomer stories. I love those. And two, power couples. They just inspire me. Life goals right there. So today we are going to hear about a power couple's overcomer story and how they've built a life of tenacity, both modeling it in their lives as they constantly invest in building that muscle and then inspiring others like us to adopt a belief system of anything is reachable and just give it all you got. You're about to get inspired. I love spending time with these two. This is the first time I've had the pleasure and opportunity to have a guest couple on Gut Plus Science, which is so cool. You know, you two have an incredible story, and I don't normally open these episodes with story, a story. It's very rare. But this personal story that really illustrates the path to what we're going to talk about today and why you two work together is profound. And we're going to weave in a lot of illustrations around how important it is as a leader to be tenacious and to persevere because we come up against things all the time, like every individual does, especially entrepreneurs and business leaders. And your story is awesome. So welcome to Gut Plus Science, Oscar. Kaya, I'm so excited to have you here with me today. I'm going to let you just take it away. We want to hear your story. Where do we be? Well, first and foremost, Nikki, thank you so much for having us on the show. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Um, Kaya, do you want to walk me through that that journey? Yeah, I think (laughs) I'll start around 2012. Well, actually, let's roll it back to 2011. In 2011, that was the year that Oscar proposed. Um, We were working great corporate jobs. Um, we had everything kind of mapped out of how, you know, we were going to transition out of corporate space into owning our own business. And we just had these grandiose, well, not grandiose, but great plans mapped out for how our life was going to function and be. Our engagement lasted for maybe about six months. And then in January of 2012, we were married and moving right along as planned and Two days back from our honeymoon is when everything started to kind of snowball. I got a call from my boss and HR, and they told me that they were doing cuts, and I was on the chopping block. So I lost that nice, shiny corporate safety net that we had, and we went from a dual income down to a single income. And it was a devastating blow. I think that we had already mapped out how we were going to roll out of corporate space into entrepreneurship. And here we go. Everything got turned upside down on its head. And so we had to really sit down and think hard about what we wanted to do next. I was devastated. I came into the living room and I think Oscar was still on an actual call doing actually working. And so I sat there for probably about 10 minutes waiting for him to get off his call. And I could tell he could tell something was wrong. He had that concerned look on his face. And uh, he asked me what happened. And I I think I went right into tears yep. explaining yeah. to him that, you know, I had just been let go. Um, I actually enjoyed my job, but I, I was chopped. And so we had a, a very transparent conversation about what we were going to do. I could have easily 
decided to, you know, start putting my resume back out and shopping it around and find a new corporate job, or we could take the path that we were discussing and we could start rolling into building our own business. We had already been doing things on the side and everything, but you know, that juggling between starting a business and actually working corporate job can be difficult. So things weren't progressing as fast as we wanted to. And now here's an opportunity for us to to make it progress. And, and, and Nikki, right, right at that point, I, I remember the look on Kai's face and I remember trying to be the quote unquote man of the house when we had only been married for about 48 hours. Well, we 48 <laughs> hours back from our, from our honeymoon. Right. And so as, as time progressed, about 60 days in, I was finishing up, well, I thought I was leading into another large uh, contract. At the time, I was managing right around 147 um, employees across the nation, and we were doing this stuff for, for a very large bank. And I remember getting a phone call from one of my executives, and he said to me, look, we're going to have to do some cuts, right? And so I said, okay, no problem. How many people am I going to have to cut? And he said, everyone. And so, of course, that was a gut wrench for me because I'm not the kind of person who will just do a you know group call, let everyone go. So I elected to actually speak to everyone individually. And after that happened, one, it was very trying, a very stressful time. But right after the day after I let everyone go, the 147th person, I got a phone call to come into the office. And when I came into the office, I was then told, thank you, God bless you, good night. And I was let go. And this was now day maybe 61 into married life. Yeah. And so now we go from uh, dual income, making substantial money down to a single. Day two, by day 61, we have no income. Yeah. And everything just kind of went, went from pure bliss to pure fear. And, and that's what really started our path, if you will, into entrepreneurship. And because at that point, we really could have decided to go back into corporate space. I mean, I think we both were in pretty high demand at that time. But we said, if this is not, the, if this is not a sign, I don't know what is. Right. right? And, and that, that's what really started our, our path into, into entrepreneurship. So before I get to the silver lining that takes us down a path of bringing this episode just in such a very inspiring place for people that are listening, I want to know your mindset or your belief system on, and I'm putting air quotes, planning life or mapping out all the details and how you handle life's curveballs nowadays. So I think there's a quote that I think it came from Mike Tyson, but Oscar says it all the time. He's like, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And so we literally got punched in the mouth. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's one of those things where you can plan, but that taught us that you can plan and plan and plan, but until you actually start making some actions, until you take a risk and you jump out there and you do something that you are passionate about and you desire to do, um, you really never know what's going to happen on the other side of just taking that leap, that leap of faith. Yeah, absolutely. And Nikki, one of the things that we ended up learning was that there really is no such thing as a perfect plan or perfect timing. Right. And as a result of that, you know, from and of course, I'm sure we'll probably dive into this more as we talk more. But, you know, we actually ended up writing a book in 2014 around that. And it was called Confessions, the Truth About Perfect Timing. And it was really just our story. We had, we had gone through so much in the first few days of our marriage and then also getting you know, moving into entrepreneurship, you know, getting to a heightened level of success within the entrepreneurial past, within federal space, and then to lose everything again, 
and then opening it up restaurants and then closing and then so it was a lot of, of ebb and flow that we have gone through and, and, and it all kind of summarizes that there really is no such thing as a perfect plan. Totally. And I think it's just so important. This is a great reminder that we all have to position ourselves for agility and iteration and innovation. Like just look at the, you know, what COVID did to business life. You know, we, no one planned for that came out of left field, like, whoa, just rock the world. And we, businesses had to learn how to iterate and innovate or they aren't here anymore. And some of those people that, you know, ran those businesses that aren't here anymore now are probably on a completely different path that is perfect for them. I hope that, right? But I think that the core here is never stop planning, never stop getting ahead and in, in having those strategic plans. But we can't not see that there's a much bigger plan out there many times and to embrace that. Otherwise, you see people that just completely shut down their life when altercations happen that don't go with the plans. And so I just, I challenge listeners to think about what is your belief system around when things don't work out how do you think about that? Because it, it's such a good mental health practice for all of us. And now I want to get to what's really important and really where I wanted to go, which is what is the silver lining? And I want to hear from both of you, and it may be the exact same answer or just a different way of answering it, but the silver lining that's come from the journey. For me, it's overcoming the circumstances that came in front of us at those times, knowing that we've been served our fair share of hurdles and trials and tribulations, but we've had that persistence and we've overcome those things. So now it's not as scary when something like, you know, another hurdle presents itself. It's like, okay, now how do we break this down and train ourselves to be able to jump it and get over it? So I think we've learned that life is like a roller coaster. You're going to have your ups and your downs. Um, and we're less scared of the downs now after all the things that we've been through. Yeah. On my end, one question I would even pose to, to, to Kai here is, I think you remember the first client that we got and we didn't know what to charge and we were trying to figure things out. And I would summarize that silver lining, Nikki, to be transparency in the relationship, right? Uh, and, and this is not just from a marital perspective, but it's about a partner perspective, right? And, and identifying like, what are we going to do now, right? So we don't, we don't have the every two week paycheck anymore. Okay, we're going to do this entrepreneurial thing. Oh, we, and we don't know what to charge our first client, but are we going to keep doing this? And I think that that is what kind of led us to, to, to learning about being transparent. And if we are afraid, say that we're afraid, but it cannot stop us. And I think that that was really what we learned and really is what, what the silver lining is because now I don't think there's really anything that we can't do. Um, so, but it's based upon having failed and having succeeded and continuously doing that on a consistent basis. That's so good. And I'd love to hear either of you that want to expand on this, you know, whatever kind of relationship it is, um, it could be in business or not a marriage, a business partnership between two, you know, partners owning a business or a team of, of partners, that core word of transparency in action looks like what compared to when you come up against adversity and you don't have that as a foundation in any form of a relationship to keep that health in the business, just kind of compare and contrast what that looks like and why that is and has been so important for you guys. Transparency for us happens the most times when everyone else is telling us no. And whenever there are all of these other outlets, there's so many other options that could be viable and probably more lucrative 
options, right? But we have to sit down in front of each other and be totally honest with each other, right? Meaning, if we are in a circumstance, and here's a very real one. Um, so when after day 61, after we had gotten, both went down to a zero income household, one of the things we had to do was sit down and, and ask ourselves, what's next, right? And does, does that mean go ahead on and put the resumes out there? Does it mean talk to a headhunter? Or does it really mean to put that business plan into use, right? And I think that that is what it actually means is a, a lot of times when you have too many options, it's more difficult to be transparent about what you really need and ought to do, right? Because you've got so many options. For us, it really was feast or famine. Like, what's it going to be? And that was what we had to do for uh, for our experience. Kai, would you agree or have anything to add to that? I would solely agree. We had to really have that honest conversation and and be honest with ourselves internally to yeah. really decide what we were going to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Nikki, we, we've got you know, different tools and tidbits that, that, that we have within our book that talks around, you know, it's like a four-step process that we do on introspective analysis. And that is one of the first steps is transparency, yeah. being transparent with your partner, being open about your fears and what you're not sure about. And that's how we start to lead into that introspective analysis. So, so yes, that, that, that's been our experience from a transparency perspective. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, to just to put a bow on that, I think about partnerships where when times get tough and the plans don't work out in business, many times the reasons why we aren't transparent is because the ego is getting in the way, right? And so I think all of us just have to really come to terms with, we all have that. We all have ego. We all have challenges being vulnerable and we have to practice that. It's a muscle to build and just to be aware for us to be healthy when things don't go well. Those people that are closest to us, practicing those habits around transparency are so important to do all the time because when times get tough, that is the core and the foundation as you're sharing. So thank you for bringing that to us today. And, you know, the muscle you two have built together is tenacity. You know, it's, it's this constant ability to iterate and get back at it and overcome. And I want to dig into that. What does tenacity mean to you and how you would define it, particularly around, you know, you're coaching and advising others that are leading businesses that are couples. And, and you're saying, you know, we want to build this muscle of tenacity. And they're like, Oscar, Kaya, what does that mean? How do you define it? I define it as persistence and understanding that anything is reachable. Anything that you you really want and you work hard for is reachable. And I know that sounds very cliche, like cloud in the sky and all puffy and everything, but that is really, truly the core of it. One incident for us is once we decided that we were going to go into entrepreneurship and we were going to start building our company, things were going great. We had federal contracts. Everything was, our income was back. Maybe not where it was, but we were still building and then we decided that we were going to take the savings and just kind of go out onto a passion that we wanted to do, which was open up a restaurant. And so we put forth a, a business plan that we had been building for quite some time and we went for it and we got into the restaurant and things didn't go as smoothly as we planned. We had many of great nights, but then we also had a lot of hardship in the restaurant as well to the point where we were partners and we were married, but we were seeing each other in passing. One was in the restaurant while the other one was at home taking care of some things. And then we would literally switch off 
and we might get all of maybe two hours in the evening after 12 o'clock after we've closed down to kind of be with each other. And then we were asleep and we started doing that all the way over again. So we had to make a choice in that situation where our marriage was really struggling at that point. And we had to make a choice if we were going to stay in the restaurant business or if we were going to sell and save our marriage. And for us, our marriage was more important and we decided to step away. But what we learned from that was that we literally could do and build anything that we set our mind to. And it was it was weird because that time of closing the restaurant, most people would have looked at that as a sad time, but we didn't look at it as a sad time. We One, we started ultimately repairing our, our relationship and our marriage, but we also were able to find ourselves again. And we recentered and we went back through our steps of getting transparent with each other. What do we want to do? Then we built again. And now we've built and we just determined, we were determined that we would never be in that seat again. I'll tell you what what tenacity, um, you know, means, means to me, you know, tenacity is stepping out on, on faith without a sure shot direction or plan on what you're going to be able to do, but you've got this will that you know you've got to be successful because there's really no other options. And and for us, when we decided to get back into the federal space on our own, you know, to kind of give a little background about that, I mean, we we started off, once we started decided we were going to do entrepreneurship full time, one of the things that we got into uh, was in the uh, highly cleared and classified space of the federal government, where we were finding all sorts of program managers. We would be doing all types of technology types of uh, small contracts. And that's what led us to something bigger. Now, from a tenacity perspective, when we first got the first mini contract, it really wasn't even enough to really pay all of our bills. But we knew that if we, if we stayed at it and we were persistent and we didn't give up, that something was going to click. And I'll tell you, about maybe four, maybe five months into that track, we finally got a large contract with a, a big four um, consulting firm you know, within, within the D.C. Um, space. And that's when things began to be like, OK, we've got something here. We're on to something. Mm-hmm. But to Kaya's point, the other side of tenacity is sometimes even when you think you've got a sure shot thing on the left, what's passionate? Like, what's driving you? What do you really want to do? Right. And I think that's what got us into the restaurant. Because as Kaya mentioned, we wrote that business plan, gosh, five years prior to actually opening that restaurant. So we had it on the shelf. We, we wrote it. We were ready to do it. And it was going to be this, you know, this Shug's, Shug's Blues, Booze and Barbecue restaurant that was, you know, that was supposed to be like the, the saving grace of Charlotte, North Carolina. And when we got into it, it ended up being a 12,000 foot mammoth. Right. And it was it was a great, great run. You know, but the thing is, we sunk in, I think, over three hundred and seventy something thousand dollars into that in the beginning. But again, we were starting to struggle emotionally. Right. And that's the other side of this when it comes to tenacity is also recognizing that it's not all about one aspect of your life. Right. you got to figure out what's your full circle look like. Right. And I think that that's what we had to do to overcome that. And I guess you know, towards the end, maybe we'll talk about our move to Atlanta. I mean, when we came here. We, once we sold the restaurant, we had sunk in. By the end of the restaurant, we had sunk in well over a million dollars into the restaurant. And you know, to leave away from that and to walk away and to have almost nothing left, 
but to still decide to move to another big city, which was Atlanta four <laughs> years ago, was another track of tenacity, of, of being like, we see a vision, we've got to get back to a big city, and we did that. So, so I, I think that may be a longer-winded answer, Nikki, <laughs> for me, but, but tenacity just is a very, very powerful word from my perspective. So big. And here, here's what I want to ask. What core work do people have to do to authentically live the belief that anything is reachable? Because that's a lot of work of an individual introspectively, like diving deep to set yourself up and changing your blueprint and how you think. So how do you coach people to authentically live anything is reachable? There's a four-step process in our book that um, starts with the word transparency. But that second step, which is the most critical, is called introspective analysis. And if if you can just kind of bear with me a bit, I can be a little geeky sometimes, Nikki, so hopefully you can kind of bear with me a little bit here. But I just pushed my glasses up. I'm ready. I'm ready. Now now we're talking. Now we're talking. (laughs) So if if you can envision a sheet of paper with a line going across the middle from left to right, and if you put a tick mark or a line in the center of that, that's your current state. That's where you are today. And when we're, when we're talking to clients, what we do is we have them make three tick marks to the left where we're going five years, 10 years, and 15 years ago. And what we do during that time, we have them write out all of the things that they wanted to do, all of the things that they envisioned they were going to get done. And we also have them write out what were the excuses that occurred that caused you to not be able to get those things accomplished. Once we have done that, we then have them make three tick marks to the right of that. And that's when we look at five, 10, 15 years in the future. And we talk about what are the things that you want to accomplish. Now, here's the nugget of why our introspective analysis is a bit more unique. If you think about, we just did the five, 10, 15 years ago, and now we're looking at our future. The thing that we do is we compare what you want to accomplish now, and we look at all of the excuses that you had, all of the fail points you had 5, 10, 15 years ago, and we begin to figure out how do we eliminate those things so they will not become a barrier for you again. And by the end of that, Nikki, what happens is our clients or our customer, they will now have a list of all of the things that were hindrances for them before. And then we figure out what's the goals going to be. And now we look at tactically, how do we accomplish those? So what happens is now that customer client, they have a blueprint in front of them. That's not just this shiny thing that we just kind of invent and throw at them and say, good luck. This is looking at retrospective of what happened, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago, you know, and then we're looking at what's, what, what's to happen 5 to 10, 15 years future state. So by the end of that, someone will actually have a step-by-step perspective on how they get to the next level. I love a blueprint and I love getting nerdy to actually have those details, you know, to going, going back to, it's so important to plan. It's so important to be strategic. It's also very important to be able to iterate and embrace when things don't go as planned, but I'd love that blueprint. And I'd love to be able to drop in the show notes, a link to the book that then we can go and, and do a little bit of a deeper dive into that. So thank you so much for sharing it. I do want to talk about how does a tenacious leader continue to have energy to persevere and continue on even when there's the ups and downs? Like, how do you keep that energy consistent or the, I guess, bank of energy ready to go? 
When you eliminate other options and choices, you only can see one goal, and that is to win. That's really the bottom line of a tenacious leader. A leader doesn't go into the room and say to their, to their team, like, this is our goal, but if we fail, here's the other five options, mm -hmm. right? When you walk into the room as a tenacious leader, you've got to have a bullseye, I'm talking about cookie-cutter-focused vision on that goal. And then you work with your team to figure out how you tactically reach that goal. If you give options, most of the time people are going to accept the other options. Right. So I, I think that leaders must be able to be charismatic. And, and I think that's what leads people to believe you, right? So if, if we say right now, Nikki, we're going to go climb the, the, the three highest mountains of the world. And if I initially say that to you, and I'm not sure, and you can feel that in your heart that perhaps Oscar's unsure of this, then you may not follow me. Or if I say, look, if we get there and it looks too, too big or insurmountable, we'll just go climb a couple of hills. You're probably going to say, Oscar, why don't we start with the hills first and work our way up to the mountain, right? So that has been our saving grace is our ability to be charismatic, to know that we've got a vision and we eliminate other options. We don't, even, we don't even consider the other options. We look at this is how we win. We must do this. This is our feast or famine option. I think when we have a plan B, it's our greatest detriment, you know, and you think of stories of amazing overcomers and they lost everything and there was no option but to come back. Right. And so you hear people many times that say, I've always had a dream to start this business, but then something else happens to come down the path. That's a little bit of the easier way to go. You take that and you get off target with your dream because you settled for comfort. And then because there was that plan B, right? So it's just, here's something just to throw out as a challenge to people is like, if you're working on something that you're really passionate about and really want to see that become reality, what plan B is getting in the way? What plan B do you need to eliminate? That's real good. So I want to hear a story of risk, a risk you took that was a game changer to your current reality. It would be moving to the Atlanta after the restaurant, after we decided to to close the restaurant and then just up and depart Charlotte and come to Atlanta. We, we had to take that risk to rebuild what we had already started before we went into the restaurant. And so we had to reach out to old contacts and we had to reconnect and start building our client base back. And that was a huge risk that we took, leaving a safety net. Both of our families are located in Charlotte, which was kind of like a safety net for us. And we left that and came to Atlanta where we, you know, we don't really have too many people that we know here in Atlanta. And we just rebuilt and we got cookie clutter, focused on what we wanted to do, what our goals were. We set those goals and we went after them. Yeah. And that goes back to that eliminating other options. And, and, and Kai, Kai has given you the the uh, very PG uh, <laughs> version of that. Nikki, when, when we moved to Atlanta, we probably had about eighteen hundred dollars left. Yeah. Um, after after losing over a million dollars in in our, in our restaurant, and I remember when we first got here, we ran a U-Haul truck, and when we got to the apartment because we weren't we weren't able to buy a house just yet. And when we got here, the uh, the front desk, they had notified us that they had made a mistake on our agreement. And we actually needed to have around, I think it was about three 3000 and some change in order to move in that day. 
and we only had $1,800 left. And so at that moment, it was that reality that either we're going to sleep in the U-Haul until we get another $1,200, or we're going to have to reach out to a family member for help. And mind you, for all of these years, we had been the, you know, this is the pinnacle. This is the group. You follow Kaya and Oscar's blueprint in order to be successful. You want to be a millionaire, you follow what they do. And all of a sudden, we only had $1,800 left. So what we had to do was I called my sister, who she's also an entrepreneur and a successful business owner. And I told her, I said, look, Nakia, we're here in Atlanta, as you know, and we are short $1,200. You know, um, and if we don't have it, we're going to have to probably spend the night into, in, in the, in the U-Haul. And my sister, of course, quickly wired us, or actually Western Union does, mm-hmm. <laughs> the money um, so we could get it out of the nearest uh, store because all the banks were closed that day because um, it was already in the evening time. And I got it, rushed it back over to the, um, into the apartment, and we were able to move in. Now, here's the other silver lining to that aspect, Nikki. Um, that was at the end of 2017. In 2018, we were mentioning on a lot, just trying to figure things out because we were in a new big city didn't know anyone, all these things. But we've been able now, I mean, if we looked at the, the, the accumulation, we've done well over $2 million here just by getting back into our consulting and what we do from a global crisis management perspective and our federal work. So it's possible, right? So when things happen, talking about risk, I mean, we got here, we were almost going to have to sleep inside of a U-Haul. You know, so when you hear those kind of stories from people that have, that have succeeded, it's because of tenacity. It's because they did not give up and they had to keep going because there was no option. There wasn't an, uh, there wasn't an option B. Right. Like it, it was either figure it out or be homeless. Right. And, and we, we were able to, to find a way to be successful again. Back to no plan B, <laughs> unless that plan B was like living in the truck tonight. And you're like, we're going to make it happen. We're going to be transparent and say what's up. And yes. Yeah, so oh, thank you for sharing so vulnerably. And so Frasers, I love habits and I call them systems. Like my life, I am such a systems person. And some people just get annoyed even hearing about my new one, but I love them. Compound effect, atomic habits, high performance habits, all my favorite books. How does tenacity show up in your daily habits? Give us examples of what those look like. One of the key ones that we've built is we never take no as a final answer. I know a lot of people, when they get a no, they just turn around and like, okay, well, that didn't work. You know, now where do I need to go? What path to get on? We take no as a, okay, so how do we get better and how do we get a yes? And we never, we, that's just something that we have started to instill in each other for the last several years. Like a no is not a no. It's just a go back and rework it and, and find a way to get a yes. That's it. Yeah. That's, I couldn't say that that's, any that's our habit. Okay. So we're kind of wrapping up our time that we've got here today and so many things that I want to ask, but here's going to be my final question. And then we're going to transition into what we call our lightning round. I want you to inspire listeners that have a toe in on a dream. What words would you use to inspire them to take the leap on that idea or that dream that's just always there? And when they're just unplugged, they start talking about it. They're frustrated that they haven't done it. They're just pondering, you know, and putting a toe in and trying, but what inspirational words would you use right now to light a fire to those listeners? You've got to leap. You have got to leap. And do not worry about the parachute. And do not worry about what's to come. 
typically once you have taken that leap, your body, your, your, your intuition, the laws of attraction, it's going to happen for you, right? Um, we are firm believers of the law of attraction. And had we not taken those leaps, it would have been virtually impossible for us to ever reach the levels of success that we have today. So again, I, I, it would be very simple. Take the leap. Stop worrying about all of the other what have, should have, could have, what ifs. All those things are going to naturally fall in place once you've taken that leap. I would add do or die, right? And there's a lot of ways to define die. And when I say die, I mean you can you can die that woulda, coulda, shoulda death in life where you're you're always wondering what if I had done something. That that is a a slow form of death when it comes to life and experiences and and being able to say that you lived a full life. So do or die would be my my final word. I don't know if you're Eminem fans, but I tend to bring him up a lot around the lyrics of lose yourself because you got one shot, one opportunity, you know, and like, I just, yes, this is what you are illustrating. And I really, really enjoyed this time together. And we love to learn a little bit more about the personal side of you. We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor message today, and we'll be right back. Gut Plus Science has just joined the People Forward Network. Gut Plus Science has been on a journey for three and a half years, and we got inspired to create a global podcast network that captures the most incredible efforts of people-first leaders and humans working on a meaningful mission. We believe that the workplace is the largest mission field for change, and the People Forward Network is the largest community of humans on a shared journey to live life full of meaning. We'd love for you to join the People Forward Network. There are all kinds of new shows and existing shows coming together under one umbrella to bring you the best content as a community on a mission. Can't wait for you to join us. See the link to peopleforwardnetwork.com in the show notes. Hey guys, it's Nikki back on Gut Plus Science. Oscar and Kaya, I have so enjoyed our time today. Man, talk about getting fired up. We have a segment of our show called Monday Fire, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to ask you to be back for that because I, I need a little fire lit on that show with some of my uh, content, and you've lit me up today. So this has been super, super inspiring to me. We do the lightning round on this show every single time, and we have a, a recommended reading list from everyone's favorite reads, and we get inspired by vacations and travels. And so I'm going to ask both of you to answer these questions because I want to hear, you know, some of them might be the same, but I'd love to hear from both of you. So Kaya, what is your favorite book of all time or a favorite recent read? Okay. Favorite recent read would be The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Um, It talks about regret and anxiety and how that can hinder you from uh, following your passion and your dreams. Okay. And Oscar. The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh, it's around personal freedom, and it, and it kind of summarizes like these four agreements you have to have with yourself, and that's those four are like be impeccable with your word, don't take anything personal, never assume, and always do your best. How about a favorite hobby when you're not working, Kaya? Music. I drown myself in music. I love music of all forms, putting on headphones and just melting away. And Oscar. Golf. Even though I'm not that good at golf, <laughs> I just enjoy being out there and trying to hack away at the the course. And then how about a favorite vacation spot? We'll start with Oscar this time. Ooh, St. Thomas, Cokie Beach. Cokie Beach in St. Thomas is absolutely beautiful. I would agree. And then how can our our listeners connect with you after the show? Um, Two easy ways. Um, They can go out to 
kothoughtleaders.com. So that's K as in Kaya, um, O as in Oscar, thoughtleaders.com. They can also go out to couplepreneurs360.com. So that's couplepreneurs, the number three, the number six, the number zero, dot com. Okay, so what'd you think? These two, so inspiring, our show manager on Gut Plus Science, Stephanie Hicks, she would say they are the bomb.com. And I totally agree. Here's my truth you can act on from Oscar and Kaya. Number one, plan, but be agile and be ready to iterate. So having a plan, but always ready to change course when you learn new things, so important for all levels of anything that we do in life. Number two, Transparency is core to partnerships being able to overcome. So there are so many examples in this conversation today about being transparent rather than hiding or suppressing, just hitting it on the head to be able to overcome things. So, so, so critical. I love this next one. Number three, eliminate a plan B. You got plan A, you believe in it and you're going for it and you're going to give it all you got. And then number four, never take no as a final answer. Yes. So whether you're in sales, I do a lot of sales in the stuff that I do, or just opening new doors for nonprofit initiatives, whatever it may be, never take no as a final answer. Get good at asking questions and watch how that becomes magical and turning that no into a yes or a possibility. Gosh, I love the time with these guys. You all have a great week and I hope you can take some of this and put it into action. See ya. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.